Please open your Bibles to Psalm 128, which is found on page 624 of the Red Bibles. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to Him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Well, our New Testament lesson this morning is taken from James. We have one last lesson to learn from James after spending these eight weeks with him. We'll read a few verses from chapter 1, and then we'll flip over to chapter 5. This is on 1, 2, 1, 3, if you're using that red church Bible, and it'll be good to have this open during the reading and the meditation on the scriptures this morning. So James says, first of all, in chapter 1, verse 21, Therefore... Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Down to verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Turn with me then over to chapter 5 of James's letter. And we'll begin with verse 13 and read to the end. This should be on 1, 2, 1, 6. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Verse 19, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's keep this nearby so that we can 
continue to refer to it as we meditate upon it. So if you are here this morning and you are new to church, we do retreats and getaways and camps and stuff like that in church cultures, right? Our youth, our kids, our adults will often go to church conferences, we'll go to events or camps, and at each of these events, camps, conferences, usually there is a theme song, a theme song. And so at the camp or conference, at the vacation Bible school or whatever it is, you sing the song over and over and over, it gets into your head, it's supposed to get into your heart, but the problem is you come home then and you sing it and you hum it around the house and around your friends until it annoys everybody else and they say, can you learn a new song, please? Um, in a way, it's like we've been at an eight-day training camp with St. James as we've been meditating on his letter here. And he's been preparing us to go as a congregation on a pilgrimage together, to journey spiritually as one people together. And I don't think we've had a theme song yet, but on the last day, it's not too late, let's figure out what James's theme song would be. I thought about this, and here's what I think he would say. The theme song for this training camp with St. James is this. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Just so I know who's out there, can you just put your hand up if you know that song, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see? So maybe like 20% of us have heard this song. I'm afraid that means I'll probably have to sing it. It, it, <laughs> it goes, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Da 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 Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see, right? Okay, so some of you know this song. And then, of course, it goes on to more verses, right? And it's, oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. And, oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say, right? So, I used to hate that song, you guys. I hated it. Because, you know why? Because as a kid, it felt to me like propaganda, Right? Uh, mom and dad are always telling me what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed to do. Do this, don't do that. And then I go to church and a church camp and they're on the same page with mom and dad and they've got things to tell me. They're just supporting all this. Obey, same message. Be careful little eyes, what you see. But look, I think James would pick this song as kind of juvenile as it is. And today, he's going to get it into our heads and maybe into our hearts if we're not careful. He's going to sing to us, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, um, what is the last one? He'll be telling us to be careful. Let's just say that. We'll find out how. And he starts off saying, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And if we've been paying attention to James, we know he would tell us that none of us has, spiritually speaking, 20-20 vision without corrective lenses or surgery of some kind. None of us do. And that means that on the journey, we are going to trip and fall, sometimes on our faces. And why? Because 
not only is our eyesight not perfect, but we're also just not careful where we're going. We're journeying, but we're looking around everywhere, right? To see who's looking at us. We're looking at people's clothes and their jewelry and their houses and their cars. We're looking for ways to use important people so that we can grow our influence and our bank accounts and our egos and our power. James has been saying this over and over. But on the pilgrim trail, James is telling us this kind of seeing, chapter 1, verse 26, is deceptive. It will deceive us. And in fact, this kind of religion with this kind of eyesight is worthless. Is worthless. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see, James sings to us. So instead of looking around at things that you want, and then maybe asking God for some help getting those things that you want, James sings, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And James says, instead, what should we be seeing as we're looking around? Verse 27 of chapter 1. Religion that God our Father accepts is pure and false. To look after orphans and widows. Be careful, James says, to notice the people that are actually right beside you, in church with you a lot of times who are spiritually, emotionally, socially, economically vulnerable and distressed in one way or another. How will you see them, James asks us, if our eyes are only looking out for more power, more leisure, more luxury, more for me? So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Are you annoyed with this song yet? (laughs) So he sings the second stanza. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Uh, My wife and I, my kids, we all loved living in Korea, in Seoul, the capital there, with millions, tens of millions of people all around. One problem with living in Seoul, however, is there's a lot of air pollution. And... I am an indoorsman, right? So my solution was simple. We'll just stay in the house. Change the filter in the air conditioner. And what's the problem? I can live with air pollution. But my wife is an outdoors person. And she's like, no, we have to get out and breathe the fresh air. But where is the fresh air? When the air pollution is bad, health experts tell us that You're polluting your lungs. And the problem is that when you pollute your lungs, that pollutes your bloodstream. It goes everywhere into your body. It pollutes then your blood vessels. And then with wrecked blood vessels, that wrecks your health and knocks you off of the pilgrim trail. Might even land you in the hospital or maybe in the grave earlier than you should be. And James is saying, be careful, little feet, where you go. Check the pollution levels before you just run carefree out into the world. You've got to go there. That's where the people are. That's where the things that you're called to do take place. 
But as you go, be careful. For example, what is your strategy for working in Zurich's economy without being polluted by, for example, its burnout culture or its perfectionism? What is your strategy for using the internet, your smartphone, your television, so that you don't pollute your mind and your heart and ultimately your relationships? What is your plan so that if you work in wealth management, for example, you love people through your work and don't become a lover of money? James doesn't say, don't go, it's polluted out there. But he sings to us, oh, be careful, little feet where you go. And be careful, he might add, as you go. Be careful, little feet, for example, let's look at chapter 5 now, and make sure that you visit the orphan and widow. And then he adds there, chapter 5, verse 14. Be careful to go to those who are sick. People that are lonely and discouraged and depressed and burnt out. People that our context out here in the world has kind of chewed up and spit out. Be careful to go to them. So my question for you today is, friends, with whom do you need to make a lunch appointment? Coffee date. Who do you need to stop by and visit on your way home from work? Who can you invite over for a simple dinner? Not to impress them, it doesn't have to be extravagant, but just because you have a place at your table and they don't have anybody to eat with and they're discouraged and isolated and lonely. Who is it? The cool thing is that when you go with your little feet into those places, it's safe to breathe the air there. It's pollution-free. Because, all, after all, these folks can't breathe out, you know, the false gods of wealth and power and perfectionism. They're there, and you're serving them. And so, going and visiting with your little feet, these people, is actually good for your spiritual cardiovascular system. It's the safest place that you can be. I've talked to many of you who have taught German or English to refugees here in Zurich. It's wonderful. Some of you just go to new refugee settlements and you just serve with them and speak with them, maybe share meals with them. Some of you have gone to Greece or to Lebanon, one of these places that is the first to receive many refugees. And that's wonderful. My wife is going to get her first chance to go to Greece to share some entrepreneurial skills with some refugees in a couple of months. And that's exactly the kind of thing to do, James says. Be careful, be intentional, little feet, where you go. Go and serve. Because there's no safer place than that. So some of us need to take our little feet and go to people who are in need, people close by, people far away. But here's the thing, let's flip this upside down. Some of us, though, 
Look at chapter 5, verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Some of us need to go to our elders and pastors and deacons, to our home groups, to our neighbors. And we need to say, man, could you pray for me? Could you encourage me? Could you share a meal with me? Because after all, I need it. And it's so hard to do that, isn't it? But James is here to tell us, friends, why are we pretending that we can make it down the pilgrim trail all by ourselves? If we were Olympic athletes in perfect health, we couldn't make it to the end of the trail by ourselves. So how do we expect to make it when we're sick and discouraged and limping down the trail? It's not meant to be that way. And James says that others of us need to go to people that we have hurt. Did you catch that? Look at chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to one another. Friends, if you realize that you've hurt someone with your words, your attitudes, your actions, take your little feet and go to that person. Go ready to apologize. Go ready to make things right if you can. And we also have to go, don't we, to the people that have hurt us. And we have to go not to get revenge, but to make, if possible, peace between us. Perhaps to forgive, to set things right, at least to begin to rebuild trust if there's an opportunity to do so. Here's the reality. If you and I haven't gone to someone lately and said, I'm sorry. If someone has come to us lately and we haven't responded and said, I forgive you. It's very possible that our religion is worthless. Like, how can we be Christians and not do the basic Christian stuff? I am sorry. I forgive you. If we're going to make it any distance down the pilgrim path together, we have to learn these ABCs, these nursery rhymes of the Christian faith. Otherwise, our faith is worthless. Oh, be careful, little feet, to go toward people with confession, to go toward them with forgiveness. And then James also says, sings, if you like, oh, be careful, little feet, to move toward people who need to be restored. So look with me at the last verses of his letter, verse 19 and 20. He says that we've got to move toward people who are struggling with doubts, people who are tempted maybe to believe lies, people who are making a wreck of their hearts and their lives and their relationships. And when we see that happening, we can't just unsee it. We're meant to take our little feet and to go to them, to be present with them, to listen. And as we're listening, to pray for a chance to love them well, serve them well, maybe to warn them, perhaps to counsel them, at minimum to encourage them, 
to offer them a hand, and if you have the chance to lift them up and set them back on the pilgrim trail. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. I forgot what the third one was, but the third stanza of James's little annoying song is, be careful, little tongue, what you say. We don't have to say much about this because we did a whole sermon on this just a couple of weeks ago. But we can't, he starts off in chapter 1, verse 26, we can't, if we're not being careful with our tongues, we can't say our religion is worth anything. We can't be too careful with what we say. And then in chapter 5, verse 12, James says, you know, we've got to quit the little lies and the little half-truths. We need to master our tongue with honesty, don't we? And then verse 13, where we started reading today, if you're in trouble, then your little tongue needs to pray for help. Every trouble that comes into our lives is a call to prayer. God wants to talk with you and he wants to hear you speaking. Just tell him what you're thinking and feeling and tell him that you need help. And James sings, oh, be careful, little tongue, to praise God if you're happy. So don't let a gorgeous sunset or a job promotion or a delicious meal or some act of mercy that you observe go by without saying, God, you're so good and you're so true and you're so beautiful. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Do we see what James is singing to us? with this little jingle of his. We might get tired of hearing it, but we've got to realize that there is no part of our bodies, not our eyes, not our feet, not our tongues, that isn't meant to be the Lord's. And we can't reach our goal in our pilgrimage until we have become completely reserved for God's purposes. I didn't think about this this morning, but in some ways that's why preachers often wear a robe like this. They put it on and they remember, you're reserved this morning for nothing else except for sharing God's word with people. But on the pilgrim trail, we each put something on that reminds us that we're 100% reserved for the Lord's purposes so that I'm set apart so that I see, so that I go to, so that I speak with God and with everybody else around me with words of grace and truth, with deeds of love and mercy. And I'll actually say that, you know what, I don't hate this song anymore. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. I used to hate it. Do you know what I, why I used to hate it? It wasn't just because I felt like it was propaganda. The problem was my hearing, actually. Because all I heard was, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. You know what part I wasn't hearing in that little jingle? I wasn't careful to hear that little in-between part. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So, be careful, little feet, where you go. 
You see, what I heard in all of that, I got all jumbled up in my head, didn't I? What I heard was, if you want the Father up above to love you and not to punish you, then you'd better be careful. You better be careful what you see, where you go, and what you say. Or you're going to get it. Because God is watching. You know, sometimes I come home from work after a difficult day, and I do sometimes have difficult days. And I come home and I am Mr. Grumpy Pants Papa. This is just my attitude. And I walk in the door and I look down, and I look down at the floor and I see Nerf darts everywhere. And I see dirty socks laying around. And I look down and maybe I see my children and they've got snot on their sleeves. And I look down on my children and I think, these kids are not careful with their hands and their feet and their snot. What's wrong with them? Sometimes I don't walk in the door and I don't look down in love at my boys. I look down instead in grumpy judgment on them. And some of you, let's be honest, have had dads or bosses, other people in authority over you who did this kind of thing all the time. And they withheld their love from you because you weren't careful about something they cared about. And the reality is then that some of us then get the impression that our Heavenly Father is just like that. That he is looking down in frustration with grumpy vindictiveness and just ready for a chance to punish us when he catches us not being careful. But that's not how the song goes. And that's not how the song of St. James goes that we whistle to ourselves as we walk down the pilgrim path. And that's not the song of the scriptures. The song is right. Be careful. Yes. Be careful because the Father up above is looking down in love. And friends, our Father up above has been looking down in love for a long time. And his mood isn't volatile like yours and mine. He looked down in love and took care to notice what he saw. And what did he see? He saw you and me and we were knocked down, and we were way off the pilgrim trail. We were sick and orphaned and isolated, either literally or figuratively. And we were too selfish to confess. We were too angry to forgive. We were too proud to cry out for help. We were too lazy to reach out and help one another. We weren't careful. And he looked down in love. He looked down in love. And he was careful, wasn't he? With his great big fatherly eyes. And what he saw was our need. And he saw that he, we couldn't do it for ourselves. And so he did it for us. And he looked at us and saw our need and not what we could do for him in the first place. But what he might do for us. He was careful with his his great fatherly feet to go and he sent his son, the Lord Jesus. And Jesus went 
And he went right into the valley of the shadow of death, where we had wandered off the trail. And he came beside us, and he lifted us up, he died for us, he rose for us, and he set us back on the trail. And the father was careful, wasn't he, with his, his fatherly tongue, with his mouth to speak a word that would bless us and not curse us. And what was his word? Well, it was his very son himself was the father's speech to us. And friends, the reality is that as we sit here right now today, Jesus still has the father's eyes of love upon us. And he clearly sees our need. Jesus still today has the father's feet and moves toward you and toward me right to where we've fallen off the trail, right to where we've fallen flat on our faces. And Jesus is still today the Father's speech of love to us. And in a few moments when we hear the Lord Jesus inviting us to the table, he's inviting us because he's the Father's invitation to us, full of grace and truth and salvation. When we expected condemnation, his speech to us is welcome. Instead of condemning us for our useless and dead and hurtful at times religion, God the Father speaks Jesus. He sees with Jesus. He comes to us, even right now, in Jesus. And he offers us full and new and real and abundant life. Life that's so full and new and real and abundant that it actually becomes useful to the people that we love right around us. Because, after all, it's the very heart and love and hands of our Heavenly Father. Through Jesus Christ, in the Spirit, and then through our words and our feet and our grace and truth. Heavenly Father, this continues to be for us an enormous task to love as you have first loved. And our minds immediately fill with excuses and reasons why it's too hard and you've got the wrong person to do all of this. We trust that you would see us where we are, that you would come to us where we are, and that you would speak to us just the words that our ears and our hearts need to hear so that we'd be restored to fellowship with you and with one another and ready to journey together until you have made us like your son who has saved us. And we ask it together in his name. Amen.